You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, The other thing from that Saturday game that was so fascinating is Verlander gets through the seventh. They've got the four to one lead. Drew Smith did a great job in the eighth. Adam Adovino comes into the ninth inning. And I thought based on replay, and certainly Gary Cohen thought it too, that Luis Guillorme's turn on the double play that ended the game, he was not on second base. Now, I've gotten a few DMs from Met fans showing me evidence that his foot actually was on the base. So it was so lightning quick that it's very tough to tell. But I will say that watching the replay Saturday night, it did not look like Luis Guillorme was on second base, though he turns the double play, man, as quickly as anybody. Say what you want about Luis Guillorme. He is so quick at turning a double play. And I just figured, okay, this game's not over. Mets win on a double play. Oh, wait a second. We're reviewing it. They're going to overturn it. And when the umpires didn't, It was like another mini break. Mets have gotten a few of these. I mentioned on Friday, the ground rule double. There was something else from Friday too that I'm trying to remember that that, that was like lucky. I forget what it was. But certainly the replay on Saturday was lucky. Did you think his foot was on the base, Guillaume? No, no, not at all. Because when we I was getting ice cream with Anthony at the time up in the uh, Piazza Club, and I saw the replay right in front of me. I'm like, dude, he... uh, Anthony's like, what happened? Was it a double play? I go, now we're going to have to replay it. We're going to have to do it because he, Guillaume, was, his foot was never on the bag. And this is the thing, though. Ev, you're right. We've gotten calls lately that have gone away. And that's part of the problem with what's happened in the first half of the season. Mets never got a freaking call. Like, I mean, you go back to replays where it's like Nimmo gets his, his hand in on time, but the umps don't overturn it. It's like it, we finally are starting to get things our way, which is nice. I know it's two, three games, but or two or three goals, but at least it's nice to see, right? Yes. Yes and no. Yes, of course, <laughs> I want every call to go the Mets' way. I don't feel, looking back at the first half of this season, as if bad breaks has really led to eight games under 500. It's bad baseball. That, that's really what it is. It's not responding the way last year's team responded, where blow a lead, hey, you can still win a game by coming back in your bottom of the eighth or bottom of the ninth. You know what I mean? Bad bullpen effort, bad starting pitching, bad defense, bad managing. So, yeah, I can't dispute that it's nice to have calls go your way. Of course, it's it's nice to have breaks go your way. But I don't think that's the main culprit for why they've been in the spot that they're in. Now, has there certainly been, especially with Pete Alonso, and that's why I felt so good for him hitting the home run on Sunday, has Pete Alonso hitting some bad luck over the last couple of Yes, no doubt about it. I mean, guys hitting the bad luck. I think Jeff McNeil at times has hit into bad luck this season. 
So there is luck involved, but it ain't the main culprit. You know what I mean? The main culprit has been they haven't been good enough. So, yeah, they had a few things go their way, but besides that, they got to play better. I do want to read one email because it jumped out at me and it's related to Saturday, so it'll at least uh, stay in chronological order. Kyle M. writes, Vogel booze. Like everyone says, I love the pod, blah, 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 blah. My point is about Vogel. Don't get me wrong, he sucks. Absolutely sucks. But while at the game today, and he's talking about Saturday's game, I can't help but notice the chorus of boos coming his way after he made outs against a left-handed pitcher. Yeah, Vogelback faced uh, Sean Manaya when he came into that game in the fourth inning. He struck out looking and he grounded out. Does anyone realize he has never hit left-handed pitching? He's a career 132 hitter against lefties. That's like booing Steve Traxel. He's a career 163 hitter when making it out. To me, the boos after striking out and grounding out against Manaya seemed out of place because he's not expected to hit the guy. Are we that frustrated with this guy and this team that we just want the pound of flesh that bad? If so, then we're probably in much in a much darker place than I had imagined, or as most Mutt fans, totally missing the point. I know you aren't one to boo, but please help me understand this, Kyle Miller. I'll explain this very easily. Most fans at games are not privy to the fact that Daniel Vogelback blows against lefties. You know what I mean? Like, I know that. You know that. I think a lot of people listening know that. I was even thinking when Manaya came in the game in the fourth inning, I thought Buck was going to pinch hit for him. I really did because Vogelback is non-competitive against lefties. He is the straightest of platoons that one can have. He cannot face lefties. I don't think he's ever gotten a hit against the lefty as a New York Met. Now, maybe that's hyperbole. Maybe someone can look it up. But forget about his career numbers against lefties. No, no. As a Met, can you name me when he's gotten a hit? Because I don't remember one off the top of my head. So I actually thought in the fourth inning, runner on first, nobody out, 3 nothing. Here comes Danny Mendick. I thought that. Here comes Morgana. Like, I, I thought he'd pinch hit for him. But... 38,000 Met fans are just booing a guy that they see underachieving. That's all they're doing. They're not thinking about the matchup. They're not thinking, ah, this isn't fair. He shouldn't be facing a lefty. It's They're literally booing a guy who, when they look at the scoreboard, they see a 211 batting average. And, and, and now that we're talking about Daniel Vogelback, we had a little bit of a respite from bashing Daniel Vogelback. Because remember, he had the mental break. And then he came back, and he looked okay. Like, he looked good. He was actually productive. He had a couple of uh, pretty good games in a row, actually, in which you know, we had to be honest. We had to say, hey, look, Daniel Vogelback looks good. Daniel Vogelback's producing. Daniel Vogelback has driven in six runs in his last two games. And that happened in Houston. Since the Houston series, and this includes the home run he hit against the Brewers a few days ago. Let me add this up. 0 for 4. 0 for 3, 0 for 4. So that's 0 for 11. Then he's got the 2 for 4 with a home run. So that is 2 for, uh, hold on, I I lost count already. 7, 11, 2 for 15, 2 for 16, 2 for 18, 2 for 20, 2 for 23. Okay. He's 2 for his last 23. (laughs) I mean, he's back to sucking. He's back to not being good. So after that little bit of a respite 
after the Atlanta series, had like a week off. He came back. He had a home run against the Cardinals. He's back. Daniel Vogel back. What did I just say? He's two for his last 23, two for his last 24. Is that what I said? Yeah, 223. Yes, he's he's terrible. Actually, I forgot to add, uh, wait, did he play Sunday? No, he didn't play Sunday. He did not play Sunday. He no. did not play Sunday. That's right, because they were but, DHing uh, Pete Alonso. By so the way, DH. he does not have a hit yet this season versus a lefty. He's scored one run to struck out six times. I'm sure that in those six at-bats where he struck out, he didn't swing the bat at all. That's, <laughs> the, pro- that's the problem, man. You could be non-competitive, but like he did ground out, so I was like, I actually tipped my hat. I was like, wow, you right. made contact. You offered. He saw pitches that go down the plate, and he doesn't offer. That's I, what's frustrating. I think we are – you know, we, we talked last time as this season spirals. When do you start to make the moves to get young? When do you say, okay, I just want to play the young guys? So here's where I'm at with Tommy Pham. I said earlier, we'll know in about a week or two if they should completely sell or if they're about to go on a run. Tommy Pham's a sell. Based on his contract, based on who he is, and based on the fact that I think you'll actually be able to get something back. Right now, you're not getting anything back for Daniel Vogelback. I think that more so than even a month ago when we were all screaming, play Vientos, I think we're back at the point where he can't play anymore. I mean, what what is the point? You know what I mean? Like, Tommy Pham has earned his playing time. So despite his age and despite his resume, he clearly gives the Mets the best chance to win. I I think we're done with Vogel back, and I think more today than a few weeks ago, I think the DFA is the best option. You, you're not getting anything for him. I don't think there's anything he could do over the next four weeks that's going to change that either. Like, he'd have to get red hot. And even then, like, is that going to change his trade value? Is that going to make a team say, ooh, let's trade for Daniel Vogelback? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I think it goes back to the old discussion we had a few weeks ago about Vientos comes up here and plays. Mauricio comes up here and plays. I know Mauricio's learning positions. But here's a position, DH. Come up here and face major league pitching. We know you need to work on playing the outfield and working on playing second base, and I get that. But how about the challenge of facing major league pitching? Because I think we're all done with I mean, more so today than a month ago, we're done with Daniel Vogelback. But you just made a point there. You go, you know, be DH because I know you have to work on your defense. But we just talked about how crappy the defense has been all season long anyway. What's the difference if Mauricio goes, well, out, goes out there and boots a ball here or there? The, the difference is it would be worse. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's been – even Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham's – listen, and for all the good he's done, he missed the ball today. No, I, know, I know, I yeah, know. Little, little blooper to left field, sliding play, couldn't catch it. Yeah, I, I get it. 
I'm not killing Tommy Pham. He's giving us he's giving the Mets too much. I'm just I'm just making a point that everyone sucks defensively. It's no, not they're good. a bad defensive team, which is crazy. Pete's had a very bad defensive weekend against it. It's just it doesn't make a lot. Lindor missed the play I thought he should have made. Uh Beatty missed the play he should have made. I mean, yeah, it's it's everybody, really. And I, I just if you're gonna start to you know rework this this defensive like lineup and stuff like that. I kind of like like if Marte if we could find a way to trade him if if that's something that's going to happen we start offloading people if Marte is the guy that's going to be if we could find a way to get rid of him I'd prefer McNeil in right field for some reason than left field. All right, so we'll have a pod I'm sure soon, kind of examining who to trade, who not to trade, what can you get, what can you not get. I give you a quick view on Marte. I'm not in a rush to trade him because I think his value is so low. And, you know, it's funny. I I was having this conversation a few days ago with a net fan friend of mine about Ben Simmons. Like, I hate Ben Simmons, right? I don't want to trade him right now. He has no value. And Marte is, I don't want to say he's similar to Ben Simmons, but you know what I mean? It's similar in that we're in such a rush to trade guys who are bad. Well, yeah, you're not going to get anything. And I hold out hope with Marte, who still has two years left on his deal. Because he said it to ESPN the other day that this offseason surgery has affected him. So is that the end of his career? Is he washed? Is he never going to be healthy? Or is it, hey, he's having a down year and it's contributed from the fact that he had major offseason surgery? I I think because of the fact I'm not getting anything for him, I'd have to eat most of his salary to get what? I'd rather take the bet of, you know what? I'd run it back with him next year. I would. And I wouldn't be in a rush to just offload him because we're all making the declaration he's done. That's what we're doing off a half of a season, off a guy who we all loved last year, off a guy who, you know, he, is is he done? That That's the tricky part. I mean, we could look at his age and say, well, look how old he is. He's coming off of major surgery, two surgeries last year during the offseason. And I'm not making an excuse for him I'm trying to rationalize what's my best course of action. Is my best course of action to pay off his contract and get a B-level prospect back? That's not my best option. Yeah, but you know what? Your best option is probably to put him on the IL. And I feel like they've been so hesitant to do that. They could have done that with Vogelback. I, I know that, you know, mental. That's different, by the way. Putting him on the IL and saying, hey, let's give him some rest, which I don't even know if that's going to fix his offensive issues is far different than saying, let me pay off the last two years of his contract to get nothing back. No, I I get that. And, and you're 100% right. But the point is this, is that if you have people that are being ineffective offensively, defensively, whatever the case is, it's time to actually do something about it. And if you're not going to, if you can't trade them because you don't have no value and you're not going to DFA them because you don't want to just pay the money, then put him on the IL. Uh, like, like there's guys like no offense, Jeff Brigham. I don't need to see him anymore. It, it, there's too many games now that like Sunday's game almost so, got blown because Jeff Brigham. Well, okay, Let, let's get the Sunday's game. So the Mets win the finale of this series, but it certainly wasn't easy. Okay, it was not. It was not a comforting victory. Pete Alonso had an outstanding at bat, bailing out Lindor who popped up with the bases loaded and one out after an inning was set up by a hit batsman and two walks. And Pete had this great 10-pitch at-bat, drew a walk to tie the game up at one, 
Jeff McNeil had an infield single. They took advantage of Brandon Crawford just not catching a baseball at second base, and they turned it into a 3-1 lead. They got a home run by Mark Hanna. They got an RBI double by the great Tommy Pham, and now it's a 5-1 game. So here are the things that were weird about how this was handled by Buck Showalter. He took David Peterson out after four innings. David Peterson was by no stretch of the imagination dominant. There were guys on base every single inning, including that fourth inning, where with two outs and nobody on, he gave up a hit and a double, but then got out of it. He has pitched four innings. He's got a pitch count of 61. He's only given up a run. He's got a five-to-one lead. Why would you be in such a rush to get David Peterson out of this game? Not that I'm expecting him to dominate the fifth and sixth inning. I don't know, but I'm trying to get outs. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have basically one reliever, maybe two, because Brooks rally has been good. So I don't want to put him in the bin of non-trustworthy, but I don't have a lot of trustworthy relievers. Let me see if I can steal some outs from David Peterson in the fifth inning. And instead, he went to Grant Hartwig, which early on looked really good because Hartwig pitched a scoreless fifth. Hartwig pitched a scoreless sixth. I mean, he got great work out of him, but now he goes to Jeb Brinkham, who has been very up and down as a Met. I can't say he's been all down because I just talked about how well he pitched on Friday when he got four outs. He did. He pitched well on Friday. He comes into this game in the seventh inning And my first question I'd have for Buck is, because forget the Peterson stuff. He made the call. It worked out early on. He got the two innings out of Hartwig. Why are you not just going to Brooks Raley? Like right then and there, why are you not going to him? Why mess around? You already saw Gabe Kapler went to his left-handed bench players. Uh, He went to Jock Peterson, who was due to lead off the seventh inning. He went to him two innings earlier. He's got no one right-handed on his bench. So you now know he's stuck with these lefty bats. You can't pinch hit for him. And instead, he's going to Jeff Brigham to start the seventh inning, who walks Jock Peterson with a 5-1 to one lead. Now, Gabe Kapler goes to another left-handed bat off the bench, and Blake Sable has had a good year, because Rayleigh's not in the game. If Rayleigh's in the game, he's not going to Blake Sable, who, by the way, promptly hits a two-run home run. So I didn't understand why with a bullpen that clearly he has, he's going to use everybody because they have an off day on Monday. And he did. He ended up using Adovino. He used Robertson. He ended up using Brooks Raley. Why did it take so long to use what I would argue is his second best reliever? David Robertson's his best. Okay, who's the Mets' second best reliever? Based on performance, it's Brooks Raley. And he doesn't go to him. He goes to Jeff Brigham. And then he goes to Dominic Leone. I just, I hated who he was going to, why he was going to them in the seventh inning. He finally goes to Raleigh to get Brandon Crawford with two on and two out. And all of a sudden the Met lead down to just a measly one run. So he went to Raleigh eventually and he got a big out, but he should have gone to him earlier. You were going to use him. So why, why not go to him to face Jock Peterson and then keep Blake Sable's ass on the bench? Rarely starts the eighth, does a fine job, though he hits a guy, and then Adam Adovino comes in. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Adam Adovino. 
He cannot throw a freaking strike. He walks the, no one's ever confused Wilmer Flores with being patient, by the way. He walks Wilmer Flores on four pitches. He drills Tyro Estrada. And then I know J.D. Davis has had a really good season. And J.D. Davis had an RBI double one inning earlier. When I think of J.D. Davis's tenure as a New York Met, I think of all the times he swung through fastballs. That's what I think of. How many times did J.D. Davis swing through a fastball right down the middle? And it was only fitting that when Adam Adovino struck out J.D. Davis, he didn't do it with a sweeper. He didn't do it with a slider. He did it with a fastball right down the freaking middle of cutter, but still. And J.D. swung and missed. And it was only fitting because I had to hear a lot about J.D. Davis the last few days.